to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the Fed's inflation target, which everybody understands to be 2%. But should it be? And might it change? Let's talk about it. Uh, But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Sense and Sensibility is sponsored by Simplify ETFs. Simplify is a new ETF provider offering alternative investment strategies with full transparency, daily liquidity, and low costs. Some of their hedge fund style strategies include managed futures, commodity trend following, steepener trades, and more. If you're an individual investor or an RIA, you will likely find a compelling alternative investment from Simplify that can help improve your portfolio. Check out their website at simplify.us. That's simplify.us, and you can find their entire lineup of ETFs at simplify.us slash ETFs. Thanks, as always, to Simplify. Uh, one more preliminary, and that's the uh, trivia question. And the trivia question this week is, is the following. In 1814, uh, Russian Cossacks occupied Paris. Uh, they had a word for quickly, which they would bark when they ordered lunch. And, uh, and that found its way into the French vernacular, and it is used today very commonly. What is that word that started out as, as a uh, Russian Cossack phrase for quickly, but is now common French? Now, back to our shoe um, it's been two weeks since our last broadcast. Uh, our last broadcast was the interview with Andrew Fately about uh, de-dollarization. And, and I didn't publish a podcast last week for two reasons. One is that I thought that the interview was very good, and I wanted to make sure that everybody had plenty of, of chance to go in and listen to it. And if you haven't listened to it, you should. Um, it's longer than, us- than my usual podcast, uh, but I think very illuminating. Um, and the other reason I didn't publish is that it was Memorial, you know, the week leading up to Memorial Day, and that that tends to be, um, you know, a, a less busy week generally. And I kind of thought we would get as many downloads, so uh, that's the reason I put it off to this week. But there was an, there was something which came out last Wednesday. There was an article, and I've been itching for the last week to talk about it. Um. And that's what we're talking about today. It, it was always going to be the case. You know, it was always going to be the case. It was always going to happen that when inflation stopped going down easily, when it started to get sort of stubborn, people were going to say that the problem, to corrupt Shakespeare here, the problem is not with ourselves, but with our stars. And, and so that we should be changing our stars. And that's what's happening now. As home prices are, are starting to go back up, which kind of blunts the whole argument that rents are going to collapse, um, and, and other core goods, apparel, used cars, have started to reaccelerate a little bit after coming down a long way, um, you know, 8% to 5% in inflation was pretty easy. 5% to 2%, as I've been saying for a while, is is going to take some time. And so we're in this position where, where, you know, we're getting into this difficult, the difficult part of, of bringing down inflation. And so, you know, the, the 
predictable result has been that people are saying, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't worry so much about 2%. Why do we care about 2% anyway? And, uh, and so this is natural. We knew that people, we always knew this would happen when inflation came back down. This was one of the stops was going to be people saying, we don't need to go all the way to, uh, to 2%. After all, when, when the settlers first crossed America, they settled down when they got tired of walking. And that's where they, you know, where they pitched their tent, where they, they built their uh, homestead. Then they just got tired of going west. And so let's just stick a flag in the inflation rate wherever we think we're going to get tired. Uh, and, and so I'm talking about this now because this isn't really academic. You know, last Wednesday, and I'll put a link in the, in the show notes to this, but there was a Reuters article entitled, Murmurs Grow Within Fed About Tweaking 2% Target Once Inflation Recedes. And it quoted several Fed members, a former Fed chair, a former IMF chief economist. So, you know, the usual Reuters fair, you know, um, uh, all sort of saying, hey, you know, there's nothing magical about 2%. And so, hey, why not three? <laughs> so let's back up um, because I think a lot of people don't know where the 2% target came from. And... Um, and, and once you know where it came from, it, 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 does, it does remove a lot of the mystique. Uh, in 1989 or so, New Zealand legally made its central bank independent, and, and they uh, selected a new central bank uh, chairman, new head of the central bank. Um, and he decided, his name is Brash, and he decided to tell people that they were going to lower inflation because that was part of the mandate and that uh, their target, you know, they were going to lower inflation to between zero and 2%. Uh, and he basically just pulled that out of his, you know what? I mean, there was no, there was, there was no study that said that between zero and 2% was the right level. He just had heard people talking about it and, and it, and it generally had been the sense amongst economists. And, and I say that because, again, there wasn't a lot of study, but the, the general sense among economists was, and I think, by the way, still is today, that while price stability means zero inflation, all prices are, you know, pretty much don't change very much, hardly at all. Economists, going back 100 years, have said, well, you want to have something that's a little bit positive, rather you know, something on the inflationary side of 0% instead of the deflationary side of 0%. And, and the reason um, is that, well, the reason that was given in the textbooks back when I learned it was sort of twofold. One is that there are certain prices, certain things that are, are very, are sticky in the downward direction. And so they're very hard to lower. And the example that was always given was wages. So that if the overall, if you're in a deflationary period, it's hard to lower people's wages. Now it turns out that's baloney. It's very easy to lower people's wages. You just fire people and hire other people who get paid less. <laughs> so it's not, not really as hard as they kind of made it out to be. Yes, it's hard to go to an existing employee and cut his wages, 
But that doesn't generally, that's not generally the problem, right? You'd have to have a lot of deflation before that got to be a big problem. And and the other reason was, that was given was that, you know, you can get into this deflationary trap. And a deflationary trap happens when everybody knows that prices next month are going to be lower than today's prices, so they don't spend money. They wait until next month when they can get a lower price. And then why not wait for another month after that? Therefore, no one spends money. Therefore, you go into a deeper and deeper depression, which means more and more deflation. Um, or at least it would if, if inflation and growth were related, which they're not. But, but that's, that's the article of faith, is that if you get into this deflationary depression spiral... Um, that, that, you know, that's, that's very hard to get out of. Now, there's no evidence that it is at all hard to get out of that kind of deflationary spiral. There's no evidence that there's ever been a deflationary trap, uh, when a central bank decided that they were going to print money to escape it. it it's very simple. It's, it's, I mean, you know, Bernanke, Bernanke talked about it. You know, you drop money from helicopters or you, you declare that, that there's an extra zero in all the money. And, and that will get you out of deflationary trap every time. So that's not, neither of those excuses is really a very good excuse. But that's the basic reasoning is that you'd like something that's a, a little bit higher than price stability. Again, assuming that you can sort of measure it accurately, which is a different question, which we'll, we'll talk about it. But the whole purpose, the real whole reason that the New Zealand Central Bank, uh, uh, head wanted to throw out a number was that he wanted to anchor expectations. Um, and that was sort of, you know, the idea that like, if we get everyone expecting 2%, then inflation will only, you know, prices will, will stop going up so fast. And coincidentally, a few years after that, inflation, which at the time had been 7 or 8% or something like that in the late, late 80s in New Zealand, went down to something like 2%. So he looked like a magician. And it's, it's of course, very important um, to declare victory when chance gets you close to something which looks like victory. Because, you know, I mean, even, <laughs> you know, even if it's pure chance, might as well take credit for it. And that's exactly what they did. And they said, well, obviously having the target is what pushed inflation down to 2%. Um, and um, and ever since then, it's been an article of faith that 2% is the level and that inflation expectations being anchored is so, so very important. And that's what keeps inflation down, which doesn't really seem to explain the current situation, does it? Because inflation expectations were very well anchored in 2019 and 2020, and yet here we are. Um, but I digress. That's not really the uh, the point of this conversation. The point of this conversation is should that target be changed? Anyway, that was New Zealand, and 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 so central banks generally, after that point, through the 1990s, when Fed governors, Fed officials started talking more about it, you know, they tended to just talk about two percent being a target in sort of an informal way. And in 2012, the Fed formally adopted. Uh, 2% on the uh, PCE uh, B 
being the, uh, the, the personal consumption expenditures index as being the target. So why change it? So uh, the Reuters story, there's a, the way the Reuters story uh, explains it, here, here's a quote. Um, they say, now, with inflation still running at more than twice the target, despite 14 months of aggressive rate increases, some observers reckon raising the target would take pressure off the Fed to keep monetary policy tight and lower the risk that returning inflation to the 2% level would drive unemployment to painful levels, unquote. In other words, it would be inconvenient or potentially inconvenient to try to actually bring inflation down to 2%. Now, anyway, that's, that's, the, that's the idea. Now, there are lots of problems with the article. One of the problems is that that's not how the Fed does things today. Uh, or, or, or anyway, in theory, the 2% target isn't really a target except in a very squishy way because in 2020, so in 2012, they sort of said 2% PCE is the target. And in 2020, they said, well, they made two changes in sort of their um, their monetary policy framework. And uh, Chairman Powell, the current Fed Chairman Powell, announced these changes at the Jackson Hole Symposium in 2020. And he said, first of all, that the, the FOMC's goal had always been maximize employment um, and, and, you know, bring inflation down to, you know, 2%. And they decided that, or actually what they, it was really, it was really deviations from, from employment was the way that it was written. And so if you had too little employment, too much unemployment, then the Fed should be easy if you had, but also if you had too much employment, if the unemployment rate got too low, then the Fed should respond to that as well. And they didn't really like that. So they said, no, no, we're only going to respond on the employment side if the unemployment rate gets too high. If it gets too low, that's fine. We're not going to worry about that as long as inflation is okay. And by the way, inflation... We've been talking about this two percent target, and but we're not going to focus on getting two percent, getting the two percent right away. Wherever we are, it's we're going to aim for an average inflation of two percent. And they didn't say what the over what period we were going to take the average, and they didn't say where where they were going to start the average, but. What that means is that inflation today is four or five or whatever it is. We don't know that the Fed is necessarily, you know, far off their goal because depending on when you start taking the average, the average is still pretty close to two percent. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't. It it's it's an incredibly squishy thing, um, and. And if the Fed were to change it to three percent today, we wouldn't really know because that you know. It, it it doesn't, you know, changing an average over a long period of time will, will have an, an effect on the price level for sure, but it won't have an effect tomorrow. Um, so anyway, the, the way the Fed currently executes policy is AIT, average inflation targeting, not a particular target that they have to bring inflation back down to. So there's no reason right now the Fed necessarily has to get inflation right back down to 
So if they thought the unemployment rate was going up too fast and they were concerned about that, there's nothing in their framework which says they would have to keep tightening. Okay? They would just get to the average a little slower. And that's completely consistent with their with their framework. By the way, that 2%, now let's talk about some other problems with the, with the whole framework. So 2% refers to the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, PCE, which is lower than what consumers face, uh, which usually, you know, we talk about the Consumer Price Index and, and the, the CPI is generally at least a quarter of a percent higher. Over a long period of time, it's been about a quarter percent higher than the PCE. Um, and, and there's no reason to think that the Fed's tools are, are as accurate, uh, are accurate enough to hit 2% at any particular time anyway, right? We could talk all we want about inflation, you know, the most recent inflation number being 2.1621%, you know, <laughs> keeping all these significant digits, but the extra significant digits are a joke. We even if we say inflation is 2% PCE, if you count differently, you know, CPI will give you two and a quarter percent or 2.4%, depending on how you add up things in a different index. There's no one right way to do this. I actually talked about this in one of the very early podcasts about how you might put together an inflation index. It's not always, it's not immediately clear. Um, if you take the median inflation, you get a different number than if you take a weighted average. And where do the weights come from? The weights have changed a lot. The weights of the consumption basket have changed a lot in the last couple of years. So where do the weights come from? Median is totally different. So maybe you should target the median because if you target the average, then these weird one-offs uh, will affect monetary policy. They probably shouldn't. So target the median. But if you target the median, should you be targeting the median there's two different ways you could target the median. You could, let's suppose you wanted to look at it over a five-year period. You could look at all goods and services and figure out what their five-year change was and then pick the median of all those five-year changes. And if that was close to 2%, you'd say you got it. Or you could take the median every month, which is what we do right now, and you could chain it together so that you have the... The, you, the the median change over five years is just the average of the medians of the months over five years, which doesn't necessarily correspond to any particular median. So anyway, all of this all of this rambling is simply to say that there's nothing magical about two percent. We don't have any kind of accuracy to within quarter percent, half a percent, one percent of saying exactly where inflation is. It's different places for different people. And we don't know over what period the Fed is averaging, um, nor what their tolerance is for that average deviating. We don't know when the average started. So even if everyone agreed on all of those things, if everyone agreed what the target meant, they agreed how we were going to measure it, they agreed how sensitive we should look at it. There's simply no evidence that the Fed can, can then put the golf ball in the cup from 100 feet, or, or, or for that matter, 10 feet, 
because they don't have fine tools. They don't have a great putter. They're, they're, you know, they've got a bludgeon um, that they're going out and they're trying to putt with. It kind of reminds me of the old story about the gorilla on the golf course that, you know, the gorilla goes out to play golf and gets in a foursome and, and, um, you know, the gorilla and his trainer and, and these other two guys. And so the gorilla tees off and hits the ball, you know, 300 you know, yards right down the fairway. And, uh, the other guys are like, wow, that's absolutely incredible. And, you know, you know, the gorilla goes up to the next, the next, uh, uh, you know, to, to his ball on the fairway and he smacks it again, another 200 yards and, you know, puts it right on the green. And the guys who were playing with him are like, this gorilla is amazing. And the gorilla's handler says, eh, it's not so amazing. He puts the same way. So that's kind of the Fed. The Fed puts the same way. They don't have fine tools, right? So they can, you know, do 25, 50 basis points, 100 basis points. They can, you know, uh, buy or sell lots of treasury bonds to shrink or expand the money supply and whatever. But they have no idea how sensitive their target variable is to any of those things. They simply don't have that fine motor control. Maybe the gorilla on the golf course is a bad image. Maybe the right image is is the uh, you know the, the six month old who's trying to learn how to you know pick up things to, you know, pick up Cheerios to eat. You know <laughs> they don't have the fine motor control to be able to to do that. Um, anyway, all of all of that being said, you know the Fed has has certainly recently shown a willingness to do the hard thing. You know, I mean, I've I've I have been a long critic of the Federal Reserve, but I have to give credit where credit is due to Powell. Uh, I thought the Fed would stop tightening long before they 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 have, and and the Fed recently kind of said they're going to pause, but continued to shrink the balance sheet. Are now starting to talk about maybe the balance sheet needs to go back to something close to what it once was. That's absolutely the totally right answer. And so I, I really have to give them a lot more credit. So if you've done all those hard things, why would you back off that now and say, well, we're going to make the, the target 3% just because it's easier to get to that than it is 2%. Uh, the Fed has regained some of the credibility it lost with the whole AIT, you know, average inflation targeting thing, the asymmetrical employment target, and 20 years of helicopters to the rescue. It would seem a weird time to to surrender that now just because it's getting a little harder. You don't get credibility from beating the bottom division teams. You get credibility by beating the tough opponents. And so the Fed is on the way, uh, hopefully, to, to, to getting this credibility. And they certainly have more of it. And so it would seem kind of dumb to go and change it now. And as usual, that went on longer than I expected it to. But um, uh, it, it is a... I don't know. It, it's something that is always, always drives me a little bananas when people talk about 2%, like it's sacred that it was handed down from on high at some point. It's really just sort of a random number and, and the, and it's, it's bizarrely coincidental that we were even vaguely in, in the 2% range for so long. Okay. So, uh, before we stop for the day, here's the answer to the trivia question. Remember way back 20 uh, minutes or so ago, I, I told you that in 1814, Russian Cossacks occupied Paris and their word for quickly, which they barked when they ordered when they ordered lunch, 
found its way into the French vernacular. What was that word? And the word was this, the word, the French word bistro is actually a slight mispronunciation of the, uh, the Cossack word for quickly. So when you go to a French bistro, you are, the reason that they're called bistros is because the Russians would sit there and, and tell everyone to hurry up and get them their lunch. That's all for today's podcast. Uh, please like, subscribe, refer others. Um, if you want to write a review on you know, Apple Podcasts or wherever, we always appreciate that. You can contact me at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. Um, if you want to subscribe to our quarterly or to my private Twitter account, go to inflationguy.blog slash shop and use the code podcash at checkout and you'll get $20 off a subscription. Follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. Um, and most importantly, defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.